like, where are you? Are you in the like? Are you in the same place as last week in this like shady motel just outside the city? A different shady motel. A different shady motel. Amazing. Ten bucks more a night and I get my own toilet this time, which is very <laughs> exciting. That's amazing. My <laughs> <laughs> fucking so life at the moment is ridiculous. So stupid. We've been That's seeing insane. a lot of deer uh, lately. A lot of deer, Jimmy, um, outside. That's what, that seems to be like the order of the day that a deer like I I was genuinely LOLing like Kermode and Mayo announced on Friday that they're um retiring. I didn't realize that until oh. yesterday. They are uh, they're talking about cliched animals in movies like you know so scary cats, which is obviously going to be very relevant today not that i'll probably keep this bit in but um and then uh and then basically the, the, they had a couple of others like um i want to give you like one other example just for the the, the, the moment you know so it's a t- three thing it doesn't matter imagine a couple of other very good animal examples if i remember i'll tell you and then they said about deers like there's never been an insignificant deer in a movie like you know <laughs> always turn up uh, for a character, like you know, just the right moment, and like you know, to, yeah. to help them make a crucial decision, and there'll yeah. always be a silence, and they might make eye contact for a moment, and then before you know, a, a distance, the flick of the ear, and then yes. off. <laughs> so I wonder what yeah. crucial decision you've been making, Sheppy, about your life as well. Yeah. Well, there you go. I've had no chance to vet this fucker. I just wrote it and wrote it and wrote it. And then I made some changes further down and I tried to correct the top. And then I was like, oh, I don't know where Just it's go with it, man. Try. Jump in, <laughs> jump in feet first and make a splash. Get it, get it in, get it all in. I love it. I'm all for it. That's great. <laughs> it's pure juice. I think there'll be a moment where I jump in. It's like a cat jumping on the curtains, Sheppy, and then it just sort of realizes the mistake after it's done it and it's just hanging onto the <laughs> curtain by its claws. And then just slowly. <laughs> falls down the curtain turning it into ribbons <laughs> yeah. i love it well let's let's jump in cool well welcome to shoulders of giants i'm jimmy hello i'm jack b wow that was an amazing delay and i'm gonna let's not do it again because it was amazing you sounded like odyssey terminate not even terminatory it was like a bbc <laughs> version of a robot or something it was made like from cbb's it was amazing so we'll keep that <laughs> forever <laughs> uh so well welcome very exciting episode today sheps you set us a very well hang on there let's pull you back by the tail oh and my god I've got a question i've always meant to be asking you i'm going to ask you now what is this where we find ourselves here <laughs> What what are we doing here, Jimmy? In the name Imagine of God. This is somebody's very first podcast. I have been waiting for the cat from outer space. <laughs> now I'm coming in on shoulders of giants because this is the one. Uh, you're right, yeah, though. We should do one. it as a disclaimer. You never know uh, when it's someone's first rodeo. So let's oh, go. Christ. Oh, Christ. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. Okay. Right. Well, we are the What If podcast. We uh, celebrate uh, movies with prequels, sequels, made up bits and bobs, Sheppy, that 
come from our brains, and I have no oh, yes. chance to no, copy no, it. That's it. it. <laughs> made up bits and bobs that come from our brains is the name of our next podcast. That's brilliant. <laughs> yes, that you're absolutely right, Jimmy. That is exactly what this is today. Jimmy, I set us uh, this film sequel that I don't think many people have really been up for ever, but I'm doing it anyway. It's the cat from outer space, two. So that's that's what I went for today. Um, tell me, Jimmy, what were your thoughts when I told you that this was going to be the uh, the assignment for this week? Was your heart racing with joy? Well, Sheps, I it's a name that was vaguely familiar to me. I would suggest it's probably never been a video cover in a video shop I've ever picked up and thought I want this as my holiday movie of the day, please, mum, like back in the 80s when I was in that a video shop. That surprises me. Um, you know, it's a very grabbable cover. It's <laughs> just the title is pretty spot title on. It's pretty awesome. I, so I, I, I sort of had a little bit of a, well, maybe this is one I should know. Of course, I watched it to be able to do justice to the original Sheppard. We could probably get to that in a bit, but um, I, uh, you know, uh, yeah. you did justice. <laughs> not, not hard, not hard. You can't, can't miss the justice, Jerry. You can't miss the justice. You can, you can't help but give the justice, Jerry. Uh, yes, yes. No, fair enough. We will get to that. I'm sure any second. Um, but so so it, it, I, when I did set it, I wasn't sure if you had seen it or if indeed you had heard of it. It is random. Um, I appreciate watching it. It's a long 90 minutes. So thank you for that. Um, well, you say that. And, it is and isn't. But again, we'll get to that. Yeah. Well, I'll say this then. So since this was your first experience with the film and so on, so for me, obviously, there's a nostalgic element of, uh, there. When I watched it as a kid, for the record, this is the Cat from Outer Space 1978 live action Disney. And they made a lot of these types of films, same sort of budget, but often with aliens, often with a teenage Kurt Russell. Or throughout the 70s, you know, like the love bug was very successful in like the late 60s. I'm going to say 68 and lots of sequels of Herbie in the 70s and lots of other things like that. And in the 60s, there was like that darn cat um, and so forth, which I never saw, but it's all the same sort of stuff. And again, kind of cheap and cheerful, even more so like in the 70s and then into the 80s, Disney made a lot of their sort of straight to TV type stuff. Um, and I saw Captain Mother Space, which was a theatrical release. Also, uh, Blackbeard's Ghost is a personal favorite of mine, Peter Eustonon. Good stuff. Uh, but in terms of Cat from Outer Space, it's a great title. The premise is right there um, and it does live up to it in my uh, Now, of course, I've seen it through nostalgia. I watched it as a kid. I did get it on a drunken DVD purchase. I'm going to say like uh, 2004. So, like, it turned up like a week later in the post. I'm like, what's this? I'm like, oh, that's nice. I must have ordered this at three o'clock in the morning into my kebab. That's brilliant. Happy birthday, me. So, I have it somewhere on DVD and I've seen it, therefore, in the last, you know, century. And I did watch it again 
with Marta. I think it was like about, in my defense, like around Boxing Day or something, just perfect for that sort of thing. I don't know. I can't, like, we're watching this tonight. What about, what about Mean Streets? We'll get to that later. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I will say one more little random memory I have of this film, which, by the way, it's not a huge film for me. I, I chose it. I thought that would be like a, a random fun thing for us to do with no pressure and all of that sort of thing. Um, and also it's 70s, which is nice. So I am, you know, getting out of the 80s a little bit. So in, it, I, I will tell you what, I don't have a huge connection to this film, but I do like it. I think it's charming. It's obviously very flawed. One memory I have is it was a Sunday and I'm driving in the car with my mum and I assume my brother and sister. And I was very young and she said, it's a Sunday and I've decided we shouldn't get videos from the video shop on Sundays anymore because it's not Christian or some such. And we were like, oh no. And she said, but so today is the last day. And we're like, hooray. <laughs> so we went to Gaston Gate um, petrol station uh, just outside of Cranley and went to the video section there. Really randomly, sometimes we went to Gaston Gate. We didn't go to Village Video. I don't know why. I'm sure Village Video was open on a Sunday, so we could have gone in. But we sometimes we went to Gaston Gate, which had a very limited <laughs> selection. But it had the cap from outer space, and so we rented it on that day. And I'll always remember the cap from outer space fondly, because it was like, it's the last time we're ever going to rent out a video on a Sunday, so it's gonna, we've got to make it count. Let's get the cat from outer space. So I'm special with that. And by the way, you know that particular little mummy law lasted all of two and a half weeks. And it's like, then we're going to have to never say that again. So, so there you are. That's amazing. I love that memory. And then, like, there'd be a moment in the third act when, you know, the government are giving chase and they want the cat and, you know, the cat, they're, they're flying this antique aeroplane and all this, you know, and, and you'd be thinking, young Sheppy, little Sheppy's there going, I never want this to end. Like, the, the movie's going to end soon. I never want this to end. And your wish is almost granted, just to be clear. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Be that careful what you wish for, for about baby 20 Sheppy. minutes. And I want to, yeah. I mean, let me just talk about that bit now specifically so yes. I don't like it to go again. Like, you have our, the hero and heroine, and like she's trying to get out of the plane, and no, she's trying to get out of the helicopter, isn't she? And then back onto the plane, and they're trying to rescue her. Great stunt work, by the way. Mm. But doesn't look in it. I mean, there's a, there's a man in a blonde wig pretending to be the, the woman a couple of times, so that's okay. And, uh, um, but there's just, it, it goes on for ages. And I, I think as a viewer, it's excruciating. But as a as a document of what that situation might actually be like and the faffery of trying to get somebody out of a helicopter onto a plane, yeah. yeah. You know, it would be. And it'd yeah, be it's really, really realistic. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and terrifying. I mean, imagine that. You just make one slip and thump, you're left holding her shoe. She's down with the schwinn. That awful, horrendous. Or like she just gets clipped on like the back propeller bit, like the little you know, oh. the tail fin. The leg open and her foot flies off. And she falls to her death, not only knowing she's about to die, but she's in agonizing pain and she keeps repeatedly getting kicked in the face by her own seventh foot, and then she hits the ground and dies. It's a real dark ending. 
So luckily that doesn't happen in the film, though. Uncle Walt. Good old Uncle <laughs> Yeah, wholesome. Wholesome. Um, you're right, it does go on for a long time. And for a short film, you're right, it, it really is quite embarrassingly um, like that. Very, very iffy pacing problems. In the sensation, Disney probably didn't really care too much about this pipe, this level of release. You know, it's like Return and Escape from Witch Mountain as well. Again, I don't want to speak out of turn. I'm sure all of these are very good, but like I'm saying, Cat Space is not exactly gold star stuff. No. But Boss Hog does turn up at the end as a judge, and uh, the cat makes him levitate. So that's something you don't see every day. That is nice. And that, that leads me to a question I thought would be worth covering now for you, which is just... You, you set this because I think, if I remember correctly, you said, you know, that it sort of was left a bit hanging. It probably did deserve a sequel from where they left the movie, you know. So yeah. I wondered whether you wanted to elaborate a little on that, Sheppy, as to the yeah. why. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is open for a sequel. So I thought, well, there you go. That works. It could have gone, it could easily be a pilot to a TV show the way it ends. Just so everyone's listening is totally clear. The film is about a cat who's an alien and he comes from a race of alien cats and he comes to Earth, he makes friends with this scientist. Uh, the cat can, he's like telekinesis stuff with his, he's got like this psychic collar, which helps him due to telepathy, he can communicate with this human, but also he can move shit around. And from, you know, from distance, he can control horses, he can <laughs> freeze time, or not freeze time, but he can freeze people in time, as it were. Was totally, totally frozen. Um, yeah, he's very powerful. Um, and he's got this, and he's, he seems pretty chilled out, but I guess I, he's with that smug assurance of someone who knows that they could burst your brain with like half a whisker twitch. He's, uh, but that's all right. Predating E.T., by the way, Spielberg was ripping this film off in terms of a lot of the shit, power-wise as well. Although... Another thing, I'm just going to make an observation. There were a lot of very, you know, same level uh, budget, which is to say relatively low budget films from the 70s from Disney, which involved super powered aliens coming down to Earth and having cheap adventures with Incredible Hulk style jumping off things and reversing the footage and stuff like that. And it, But it's fun. And I remember liking it as a kid, as like a family. Um, and it's essentially superhero films before they were like everywhere. And there were like alien family who could jump and do crazy shit. And at the end of that, they had the chance to finally get their shit back. But instead, the evil government are going to get their hands on it. So they push it into the lake. Or it's already in the lake, but they push it down into like the Devil's Gulch or whatever. And it sinks down to like fathoms. Um, and so they sacrifice getting home for the greater good. And then at the end, they're like, well, I guess we're on Earth now. And that's exactly basically what happens at the end of Catch Out of Face. So it does seem to be a recurring theme, or at least a double theme, but I'm sure. I, I haven't seen Escape from Witch Mountain for a very long time, but I'm pretty sure it's something similar in that. So, so there you go. That's my other little observation. In terms of them not doing a sequel, who knows? I mean, I wouldn't say that Disney was against doing sequels. They did do a sequel to Witch Mountain. But maybe they just never, and obviously Love Bug, but maybe it just didn't set the box office on fire and they couldn't be bothered. They're like, well, yeah, bye. Yeah. 
there's no info about the box office, but just the budget on Wiki. Right. I did a bit of Googling, Sheppy. There was never an attempt at a sequel made, from what I can tell. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but just uh, just to pull that it through, I love the idea. Of... I don't think they were ever planning. No, I love the idea of it being a TV pilot. You know, that's a wonderful idea. Because I guess at the end, Boss Hog, the judge, I mean, he applies for citizenship, doesn't he? Basically, it becomes... Gets it. Stays. Yeah. He's he's going to be in America now, which is quite cute and exciting and fun. And I, I am, I'm, I'm kind of up for further adventures, but in a way, <laughs> with several caveats. Well, can I say this? I'm just a little tiny spoiler. So I wrote my pitch and, you know, it occurred to me, well, this is the only time I'm ever going to write my version of Captain Earth Space 2, so I'll go in this certain direction. But the version that I've written isn't actually the version I would most like to have exist. And I have written these sort of little tiny things, but what I would really like is just like you say, just a continuation, just like it's Jake and it's Frank and it's Link and it's Thingy and Lucy Bell, uh, and they're all just there, and they have another little adventure. But like in this film, any real threat doesn't come until at least the second half, or even the last third. Something similar um, would be nice, which I didn't do. But So I'm going to say that for the record. Now, oh, that's know, lovely. I make three or four of these. If it's helpful, my pitch goes hard into the bit that I liked about the movie, the capers and the gambling and stuff. Well, so in terms of the film then, Jimmy, so it's about this cat who's, you know, can move shit around with his mind. He makes friends with a human. And at the end of the film, he decides to stay on Earth and becomes an American citizen. Um, it's like 90 minutes long. We've established the, the pacing is off and so forth. Do you have any other takeaways that you took away uh, from Catwoman's face? I figure uh, I just I haven't got as many as I normally do for a re watch of a movie show. And we, you and I were texting during the watch anyway, weren't we? But I, um, I mean, <laughs> it's fair to say for the first thirty minutes, I wondered what I might have done to you to deserve. That. <laughs> <laughs> it's very slow and very rubbish, but um, but then as soon as really linked to be honest who i think we established through text could very feasibly be kramer's brother her father oh, dad yeah um who's played by i've got it written here somewhere mclean stevenson and i think it was a mash regular and um anyway he's hoot who uh who sort of um and 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 they start to get into, like you said, moving the horses, manipulating things, and starts to become quite fun. And they go to a pool hall and hustle, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, th themselves away at a pool hall. And they they play a game of pool, which is a little bit sexist because they they manage to up the stakes by bringing the lady in, and she's really really bad at pool, like ridiculous. I think it might be my favorite moment in a movie of all time, though, which is something nice where she chips the white ball and it, it just ping, ping, pings around lots of different things. You see lots of slow-mo reaction shots around the pool hall as it dinks off a beer cup and like, you know, all this sort of stuff. And it literally pings. And off a, a hard hat, a workman's hard hat. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> and then breaks and then all the balls get put in or something ridiculous, yeah. you know. Um, now, it is great. In terms of the, of the, the sexist thing, I will say, um, Yes, but also 
I think because she it's like meant to be a real seedy dive and she looks like a Sunday school teacher. So it's yeah. more that in terms of a woman playing ball. Although she is the only woman there, and I'm sure there is that is a, a strong subtext. Not even a subtext, but nonetheless, yes, that, that's fun. It is a slow start. I like it when Jake meets oh Jake, by the way, again for listeners, just in case. Jake's a real cat. I mean, it's not a cartoon cat or, yeah. or a puppet. Um, and it's a, he's a good cat. He's a good actor. Whatever they, they were waving for him to look at off screen or anything. There's two, Sheppy. There's two, do you know? Two it's cats. A, yeah, it's a cat called Rumple and his twin sister, Amber. I'm I, I so worried you're going to say twin sister, Stiltskin. Like, oh, <laughs> what a pity. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt the flow. Intro. I just thought I'd try and get that in as a little wiki. I've got one no other little. <laughs> there's one. Uh, there's one other wiki I want to get to as well in a minute. No, that's wonderful. Um, I like that. Um, the, the yeah, they they totally cheat um, uh, uh, and use his magic powers to, to do all of this. But I guess it's gambling, so it's wrong in the first place in terms of the, the, the laws of morality in this sort of universe. And also, is uh, Dirty Larry, or you know, I mean, his name's something like Dirty Larry. He's not to be trusted, yeah. and you know, and he's meant to be. And so you know that he's probably this is karma. He's getting his comeuppance by losing this huge bet. Um, and so it's we can we can assume. That, yeah, that he deserved it. In terms of everyone in the world who didn't bet on Lucky Jake, um, and then the horse wins, that and, and basketball as well. Um, I don't know. That seems like it could be fucking up a lot of people's lives. And Jake I think you're right. Yeah, and that that's definitely a threat. I pull ships. That's nice. That's great. That you put nice. that too. Nice. Well, there you go. Um, and then yes, and then Roddy McDowell turns up. And he's all over the place, pure, taking far too many Roddy McDowell pills. He is full Roddy McDowell. And he's mucking around and he's being a klutz. And then he does have one of my favourite bits. And he does what's needed, so good old Roddy McDowell. He's like a villain. And then the main villain, who's this weird-looking albino dude who looks a bit like a goat, and I'm sure I've seen him in an episode of The Man from Uncle. I'm sure he was in lots and lots of things. Um, and my favourite line in the whole film, they're in the helicopter, they've kidnapped Thingy. What's her name? The lady's Sandy? name? Sandy. Hang on. Uh, oh, I've got it here somewhere. Sandy. Sandy. Wow, I didn't even know. Gun to head. I would never have said Sandy. That is, this is all, by the way, indirectly very tantalising about where your pitch might have got. Like, well, Sandy... <laughs> what was I saying now? I've oh yeah, no. So they're in the helicopter, and um, and Roddy McDowell's an idiot and fires off a flare gun, and it's not funny. Uh, and then she, and then the baddie's going to bail out, and the and San Sandy says, um, "I haven't got a parachute." And the baddie says, "Well, then you have a problem." And then Roddy McDowell says, "Well, I haven't got a parachute either." And the baddie says, "Then you have the same problem." And it's really well delivered, and it's very funny. And then he jumps out and leaves him in the helicopter. Oh, yeah, but then Roddy McDowell hangs onto him. They get stuck on a branch, sticking out of a cliff with a parachute. Um, so that's a laugh. 
yeah. he's still in it. I haven't pulled all the characters back, by the way, Sheppy, including the big bad, who should probably no. would come back because he's still got a vendetta, I guess. You know, but uh, yeah. I, I, I would. He's a pretty weak character. I, I wouldn't mind in my version, which I did not do, but in the in the actual versions I would like to see that I did not write. Um, I wouldn't bring him back anyway. You know, bring out, bring someone else. Plenty of nasty people in the world for Jake to beat. So I'm all, I'm all <laughs> for that. Can I mention one other moment? And you mentioned this, and genuinely, Spine Shiver City. Um, they go oh, to yeah. get, they go yeah, into the army base. You know, they go into the army base and they do the whole ship thing and all of that. And Jake gets his collar taken, and without his collar, he's basically powerless. He's just like a normal little cat. And they're holding the uh, the the collar, the the army people, and Jake's running, and he sees it. And the way it's really well edited, and the music is perfect, and the music cues of the ling, the ling, um, and and Frank, the human, going Jake at just the right moment. It's so good. And then Jake, who's powerless without the collar, jumps and his head goes, such a well-trained cat, goes through the collar and just as it goes on him and it, you know, and then he's out of the grasp of the army and he says, excuse me, in such an offhanded way, which is so cool. And then he lands and goes, Frank, let's get out of here. And they get on a motorbike and they bez off. That, talking about it now, gave my right arm a spine shiver, <laughs> which <laughs> might be the end for Sheppy. But just, that's that's one of the top ten spine shivers in any film of all time. So, I so completely agree. Stuff. And I, I'm going to say I, I loved it too. And I think that's what triggered our text, wasn't it? Or maybe maybe I'd had a couple of grumbles first, if I'm being completely honest. But, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, um... yeah, but rightfully so. But you, you called you know, so it's not just me. I'm validated. It was. It wasn't like wait for the bit with a collar or anything like that. It was. I. I was. Yeah. So I'm really. And that's right, Chippy. I would never like Dean to kind of put a gif of that or anything silly on our website page, despite the fact no. we do lots of fun stuff like that. Because <laughs> you've got to earn that moment, man. You've got to yeah. earn it. But, so yeah. uh... it's the win win moment in Rocky Two. You got to go through everything else to get to that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's pure, Jimmy. It's fucking pure. So, so that's nice. Was there anything else you wanted to mention? The main guy, Frank, who's played by... So, yeah, Ken Berry. Ken Berry, who was also in a bunch of Disney stuff, who was in one of the Herbie films. The Herbie film that I was most familiar with as a kid, I believe Herbie Rides Again, which was the second or third Herbie film, and it wasn't with Doug Jones, Dean Jones, Dean Jones from the first yeah. couple. Um, Ken Berry was in that, um, and oh, he was nice. in lots of stuff. He was in a sitcom throughout the 80s, which I had never heard of, but was very, very famous. So, your team, Berry, I'd probably be more Team Jones. That's interesting because the love bug was nice. on repeat with us. Yeah. Well, there you go. And, like, you know, and I did watch Love Bug, um, but it was always like watching, you know, frankly, it was like watching Rocky after watching Rocky 2 a million times when I was 10. So, like, okay, it's just slightly not quite what I'm used to. That sort of thing, um, but you know, Dean Jones. I, I I do love Dean Jones, and I do love the Love Bug, and it is my favourite Herbie film. But then yeah. again, I should watch Ride again, just for nostalgia if I can get my hands on it. That'd be good stuff. So yes, Hazar says I, very nice. So Ken Berry, um, the baddie, was in an episode of uh, Man from Uncle. Link, of course, 
Dub, Kramer, Senior. He was in MASH, also the general, General Stilton in the Captain Adam space. He was in MASH as well. He might even have been the replacement character um, for, for the Link role, actually, now I think about it, possibly. Um, and Roddy Bradow, of course, he pops up. I wasn't familiar with the lady, I have to say. And also, Jimmy, and again, something you pointed out, which I was oh, tittering yeah. behind my fingers waiting for that reveal. Uh, James Hampton, I want to say the actor's name is, without looking. Um, yeah, I haven't looked he, him up, but I think you're right. Of course, this is the guy. Uh, well, I, I have written it down somewhere, but I'm not looking right now when I'm going for, for recall. But I have written it down. It is Hampton. Um, well done, Shippy. Thank yeah. you. Um, he passed he, away last year, man. Uh, rest in peace uh, and of course Jimmy as we all know and every listener knows he was the dad in team and so here he was like what and team of two six, seven, and team <laughs> and of two, the uncle the <laughs> uncle in team of two yeah, of course. Uh, absolutely and he was in Condor Man and he was in a film that may not exist that you told me you saw like in Mrs. Mackenzie's playground, and you said like he he rat jumped out of a car and got shot in the leg and then died. <laughs> and I was like, said, I saw this revenge. amazing film with the dad from Team Wolf, <laughs> and I was like, really? What happened? Jumped out of a car, got shot in the leg, and he died. Well, that sounds amazing. The baby. So, so good um, old that guy. Yeah, James. Good old that guy. Before we get to our pictures, Sheppy, I want to just say as well, part of my Googleage also resulted in a list out there on Vulture of the top, I think they got like at least 20 or something, cat performances in movies. Brilliant. It's pretty Brilliant. funny. And so they, I started the list at 12 where Jake comes in. And I've got oh. to say, the net collar alone deserves top 10 entry for me. But anyway... Um, so yeah, Jake is number twelve on the vulture okay. list of best cat performances. So I've only I'm only really aware of about maybe seventy five percent of these. But you can let me know as we go. Do you mind if I just indulge the list for five? Oh, minutes? I can't wait. So number eleven then is Keanu in the movie Keanu. Uh, I with, have not uh, seen, but being a good. relatively recent Keanu deal. So, okay, good. Funnily enough, despite the fact that's the name of the cat in the movie, obviously, as I've just said, but just, uh, yeah, like, it's a great movie, Sheppy. It's very funny and silly. It's not, my, my takeaway is not a brilliant cat performance. My takeaway is some brilliant George Michael gags. So, anyway. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, into the top ten now with Cat from Breakfast at Tiffany's. Okay. You know I mean, the I've seen the clip. <laughs> Yeah. I, yeah, she yeah, jumps all over Audrey Hepburn's back, um, gets up to mischief. Uh, he oh, is good. Nice. He knows his marks. Yeah. Nice. Uh, <laughs> he knows his marks. Uh, number nine is Mr. Jinx in Meet the Parents. Uh, like, he, he's toilet trained, I guess, which is quite, yeah. quite clever. Um, I mean, this is the South Wales Argos list, of course, in that it's all the big films which have cat moments. So, yeah. fine. It's nice that Jake was in 12, because I wouldn't be surprised in this cynical world that they were like, oh, there's a film called The Cat from Space. <laughs> so, all right, this cat does a shit in the ashes of the grandma or whoever, so fair play. That's true. Uh, good, good for him. Can I say as well, if we ever got big enough to do a live show, Sheppy, which, let's be honest, is a decade away, I think we should ask the South Wales Argos if they would host us. 
Yeah. They'll say, oh yeah, we've just listened to you. You're our favourite podcast. <laughs> um, I like the next couple. Uh, so number eight is Ulysses from Inside Lewin. Lewin Davis, sorry. Okay, Lewin, Lewin right. Davis. Yes, um, good. Seven is Jonesy from Alien. Good. Happy. Good hissing. Good hissing. <laughs> now we get into... Doesn't look bothered when Harry Dean Stanton dies. Not bothered at all. In fact, <laughs> getting off on it. Actually, really not bothered. Quite happy about Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, horrific chain death. <laughs> I knew this would so. be worth doing. Um, okay, and then six is Pie Wacket from Bell Book and Candle. I don't, know what, I don't know what any of those words are that you just said. <laughs> me neither. Number five is Jersey from Can You Ever Forgive Me? I don't know that. What is that? Yeah, uh, that's a movie that came out in two eighteen, which is uh, Melissa McCarthy and. Uh, how am I forgetting? Richard E. Grant. Um, right. And, um, right, yes. It's yes. a lovely movie, Sheppy, but I don't remember the cat being particularly major in it. But um, Okay, someone's trying to be cool. I, I would like to watch that, because of course... You love it. So, so I, will, love it. I will try and watch it. Your mum would love it. But nonetheless, <laughs> I will give it a go. Because yes, and I'll let you know, I'll report back about the cat. Um, so... Uh, T.O. is at number four from The Incredible Journey. Yeah, well, I, I was going to mention The Incredible Journey. That's a big deal in my house. I was a bit too young, but for my brother and sister, who are a bit older than me, they love The Incredible Journey. Cat going off a waterfall is something that comes up sometimes in conversation about the most horrific childhood experience. Uh, so the cat is on a little raft and goes off a waterfall, I believe, in The Incredible Journey. So Very fair good. play. Then three is Rhubarb from Rhubarb, 1951 movie. I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. Because I think of Rhubarb and Custard. Me and too. Custard was the cat, and he was cool, but he was a cartoon, so he was a cat. Maybe that's a play on Rhubarb. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe uh, it's just a little Rhubarb. <laughs> and then number two is Tonto from Harry and Tonto, 1974. Okay. They're getting a bit okay. obscure here. I have to say, not not a, not a familiar, not familiar. And then number one is DC from That Darn Cat. So I think we should do okay. That Darn Cat as a bloody yeah. song because it sounds incredible. I, I just yeah. um, so here's the plot, Sheppy: a 1965 American thriller comedy film directed by Robert Stevenson, as you love, Bug, and starring yeah. Haley Mills and Dean Jones in a story and in a story about bank robbers, a kidnapping, and a mischievous cat. What's not it sounds love? like it's going for like a bringing up baby, but with a normal cat. Um, I'm yeah, that sounds great. I never gave it um, a, a thought that film, but that sounds wonderful. Great title as well. That darn mm. cat. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, I should say um, then out of that list, if the cat from Meet the Parents, I think the cat from Clerks should get that title instead because that cat went to cruelty and they didn't let it poo all day they just kept stroking it so that then he would poo on command on camera uh, so i think that cat deserves it more than mr fluffy face or whatever his name was from meet the parents because yeah, you know he, he was given all the time he wanted he was given de niro time to get that scene right uh, when he did <laughs> that shit whether it's the cat who shits in clerks he was doing it on the fly so I think he deserves the title, frankly. Oh, and by the way, 
got to mention, and I didn't mention before, but you, I, I'm gobsmacked and devastated and shaking my head in irritated ire uh, that, I mean, no Blofeld pussy at all. And I have yeah. to say, that's, you know, Fiori's that's a only, big... At least. Come on. Fiori is only, that's a hiss and a jump from that cat. Um, <laughs> you only live twice when that cat loses his fucking shit during all the explosions in the volcano at the end, and Connery notices, and Donald Pleasance is ripping hold of this banshee cat, desperately trying to get away from all these explosions going around the place. That cat deserves all the Oscars. Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure he's dead. Oh. Nonetheless, all of the cats, all of the Blofeld cats, uh, are all excellent. So they all deserve uh, <laughs> a mention, because that's bullshit that they don't get a mention. So there you go. And Maybe yeah, we should change our website one. question to that, which is your favourite Blofeld cap. <laughs> now you've got me thinking, I'm going to go for Fiori's only, um, because, you know, right. It's like, That's a big beat, isn't it? Leaves Blofeld to it. <laughs> but also, you only live twice with him losing his shit in the volcano. You know, that's not acting, so it doesn't count. But it's him being like Tom Cruise hanging off the side of that aeroplane. He is like, what the is going on <laughs> yeah, talking of what the fuck is going on like there's just shenanigans outside Sheppy so I just I, I'm not trying to be distracted I just it's just one of those no, weird no, no, no. little there uh, I'm staying in a motel I arrived at obviously midnight so I don't bloody know you know I'm waiting for 1984 Arnold Schwarzenegger to turn up so I've got you know <laughs> to make a hasty retreat at some point yeah, but it's always the motel in a shady part of town. <laughs> yeah, you're you are so done for. What do yeah. I do when I watch your murder on this on the Zoom Ooh, screen? You do put I, it up. Who do I phone? I don't even I don't know the name of your place. No one to phone. Who do I call? Do I do I send a direct message to G and say, listen, <laughs> bit of a hiccup, and I'll send her a screen grab just to save like time. Like, this happened. It's just like your face smeared all over the screen. And it was like, so just letting you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Tuesday, and then I go smiley and... face emoji. <laughs> <laughs> a winky based goat party hat. <laughs> uh, lobster, 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 octopus, pig nose. Yeah, yeah, love it. Big fan. I've recently got into the frog head. I've been sending a lot of frog heads recently. Nice. I haven't had a frog head from you. I look forward to my first. That'll be nice. Now uh, I've said that I might, I might cool off the whole thing. You might get a, <laughs> might get like a little bear head or something if you're lucky. In the anyway. meantime, <laughs> yeah. I bloody love it. So I think that's that's a wonderful list, by the way. So thank you for that, Jimbo. Uh, good stuff. Uh, and I'm sure um, there are other cats. So other cat performances. Anyone out there? Let us absolutely. know. I'm sure there are lots that actually. You know, I'm glad I thought of the Blofeld thing. There, there, I bet there are others which have been overlooked. So, uh, yeah. so shout out. Just know that in about 24 hours' time, I'm going to suddenly think of at least two that I'm going to make Julie go and I'm going to just say the words to him and then he's going to have to go and edit them in. Like, oh. here. Yeah, I know. That's but funny. otherwise, yeah, a lot of good cats. A lot of very good cats. And Jake, I think, deserves to be higher up. Like I agree. It's a good performance from the two. Absolutely, Sheppy. Can I say just before you launch into your pitch, I hope I haven't got this wrong, but you have said a few times Cat from Outer Space 2 as, as though it was a prescribed title. I want to let no, you no. know 
minus called another cat from outer space just when we get okay. to it by way of no no series, but that's yeah. just my my standard my standard title really. nice so yeah with that in mind um my it is my name is called cat from outer space too <laughs> but um before we get to that um but well i will say this so the cat from outer space too um i wrote this and i and i gave it uh 1980 so two years later but then after I had written all of this, I then was like, like I said, I thought, well, that's not really, I'm glad I wrote that. That's, you know, there's no way I wasn't gonna go a bit nuts, but it would be nice for something special. So I've written like, this could be like the third or fourth sequel in that case. So in that case, it's not 1980. Let's just say Cat, in another universe, the original Cat from Outer Space, 1978, was as big as let's say the love bug. So it wasn't mega, mega, but it was certainly big enough to get some sequels. Um, so they made sequels throughout like, the early 80s of diminishing returns. Um, so immediately after the success of The Cat from Outer Space, a year later in 79, a rushed sequel called Those Cats from Space it comes <laughs> out. And it's about a family of semi-distant relations to Jake who come to Earth to essentially sponge off him. It's a bit like the great outdoors and they're like sort of the Dan Aykroyd to Jake's John Candy. And, so, and he's a bit of a celeb now, back when the whole world is Jake. Um, and we have like, out of this family who have turned up, we have Grumpy Cat, Preening Cat, Lazy Cat, Scheming Cat and Matriarch Cat. And none of the human stars return except maybe a, like a cameo from Honest Harry and a General Stilton paycheck. Um, and then we have like, um, oh, and it's and it ends with them all becoming prominent members of Congress. Uh, then we have another one in 1981, which um, which ignores the previous sequel, Pure, um, and it's the three main stars turn up again. It's Jake Frank and, um, and Liz and Lucy Bell, and they're working on new experiments. And the plot sees like a John Lisko type from Santa Claus the movie, sort of greedy tycoon steal Jake's telekinesis inducing collar to patent it for humans and it's to marketed it, is to be marketed commercially by the secondary villain played by Roddy McDowell as his greedy brother and everything goes awry and then we have a uh, cat on the road and it's Link and Jake go cross country this is 1982 before Lucy Bell drops kittens in New York and Link and Jake have to drive to New York cross country before the, the pregnancy for the birth. Hijinks with mobsters, bikers, and rednecks as they meet along the way. A real Herbie goes bananas wannabe. Uh, and then with like a much, much bigger budget after Jedi comes out in 83, a year later in 84, this version <laughs> comes out. So that's my alternative universe because that one with the John Lisko type is essentially the version that I would like to see, just like another villain, another little exciting adventure, nothing massive, nothing too grandiose. Yeah, um, but we're going to get the Lynch but, version, aren't we? <laughs> now, we're, now we're going to get the true version. It is called The Cat from Outer Space uh, 2, and I'm saying even if those other sequels exist, this is still called The Cat from Outer Space 2, and it's a real fast, furious wannabe, and it's like, forget all those diminishing returns. This one has a bit of a budget, but I want to be very clear, it's it's not a big budget. It's all any and all special effects I'm going to describe are all. If you think of everything, any special effect in the original Captain Space, 
nothing really goes past that. <laughs> so it's you know it's models and it's green, the blue screen and so forth, or some some wire work. Now I've got this directed by our friend Robert Stevenson um, because I wanted it to be the director of Blackbeard's Ghost. And little did I know he'd also done Mary Poppins and Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, that darn cat, of course, and the love bug, of course. So he was hardcore, Robert Stevenson, and he was just missing a Lewis, and he would be set. Sheffield so, is extraordinary. We've both got exactly the same director, so that's very happy. Oh, I, I love that, that. because Norman Toker actually passed away. Cat was his yes. legacy, yeah. So oh. yeah, I, I, yes, I, you know, I, I checked that, and I see, and yeah, what a shame. But I wasn't, I wasn't going to go for him anyway. I wanted someone else. <laughs> so, so gutted. Um, I've got the same base here. I've got Ken Berry, Sandy Duncan. Now, Sandy, then, therefore, is the actress's name. So it's Liz. Is oh, shit. Sorry. Oh, That's all right. Go. We both didn't know, so I like it. Ken Berry, Sandy Duncan, McLean Stevenson, so links back. Harry Morgan, who's General Stilton, who was in Dragonet and, uh, and everything else I mentioned. And James Hampton. I mean, I've, yeah, I've just wrote his name. He's got a tiny cameo, but you know, don't get your hopes up. There isn't too much Hampton. Um, <laughs> and literally, yeah. So I've got it as 1980, but with all those sequels, it's probably like 84 or something. Now, pre-cred, we open in a very similar way as to the first film. It's a rural area, and we have two Elmer Fudd-type hunters bantering in a yokel sort of way. They're hunting anything we learn, deer, elk, or moose. And yokel one says, heck, I'd even settle for a squirrel or a gopher, but you know what I'd really like to get my sights on? And yokel two says, no, what? And yokel one says, oh, you know, teeth, ears, hoppity, hoppity, blam, blam, blam. And he mines with his shotgun. And Yoko too says, oh, I get it. What's up, Doc? And they both laugh moronically. We cut to a point of view shot from a camera high, high above them, looking straight down, almost like a satellite shot. And we zoom in a bit to the two shapes who we see are the two Yokos. And we hear, kind of like Predator, and now I'm, now <laughs> I'm thinking about it, we hear the last part of this, this conversation again, tinny through an apparent listening device, and we just hear... Um, like <laughs> them laughing we cut back to the hunters and they call out waving their guns around here bunny 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 and they with more cackling then a light from the sky gets their attention and it gets closer we see it is a spaceship very similar to jake's as seen in the first film but with surfboard like antennae on the top and it scares some sheep and lands very close to the hunters who edge closer guns at the ready. And you know, they're drunk as well, of course. Hooch and moonshine. So they get closer to the ship and the main door lowers before them. And of course, the prerequisite green light spills out with some dry ice. And a small shape descends from the gangway and stands before them. And the two yokels' mouths are agape as they stare again, ironically. And we see the creature uh, right in the foreground, and the ship is framing it from above and behind. And it is a large white rabbit, and it looks from one hunter to the next. And behind it, the ship hums, and the surfboard antennae on the ship roof then raise up, now clearly little rabbit ears. And the hunters look at this, and down to the rabbit, who's right in front of them, 
and the rabbit looks right back at the hunters and we hear its voice as it telepathically says, what's up, duck? And the hunters shriek and trip over each other in their mad scramble to get away and they flee. And we hold on the rabbit and the ship behind him and the title comes up, The Cat from Outer Space 2, and then actually a cheeky subtitle saying, Hair to the Universe, uh, <laughs> which is actually very similar to my title for my um, Clash of the Titans spoof, but it can't be helped, I'm afraid, because it's Hair to the Universe. So that's the free bread. We cut to... It's an amazing it's really 80s gag, by the way. Cross-references <laughs> and everything. Yeah, absolutely perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> Someone's going to get sued. Um, it's, we cut to a very nice summer's day in a pretty field with some trees. About 50 or 60 people are scattered about having a nice time. We find our heroes, Doctors Frank and Liz. I never found out their surnames and I don't actually care. But Doctors Frank and Liz, now very much an item, of course. It's like a few years after the first film. With them is Jake and Lucy Bell and also Link. This is, this is uh, they're all attending a company picnic. So lots of boffins and some military types. With families, though, and children and pets. Everyone is having a nice time. A long table has been set up with a large assortment of picnic food, which Link is generously helping himself to. And he's always got one of those like plastic red, uh, like plastic beakers of beer, which he's always drinking. So that's, that's nice. Some people are sitting and talking. Some people are laughing. Some people, uh, kids are getting their face painted. And there's also a kite building and flying competition in progress. Frank has painstakingly designed his kite very scientifically and is explaining to anyone who will listen how the span and height of the sail, the aerodynamic shape, the contours and angles will make this the best kite ever made. And it immediately gets stuck up a tree. And Liz has made a kite and it's very pretty with floral patterns and bows on the line. And it's not the best kite on display, but it, she gets it and it's bobbing on the breeze happily. And various younger children are also taking part and they're all having a nice time. But there's one kid who's like a spoiled, obnoxious brat who's about 10, who we learn, by the way, is the uh, grandson of General Stilton. And this kid is a bully and a braggart and a cheat. His name is Milton. And I'm telling you this, I've written in brackets after this, um, I called him Milton and I, it didn't occur to me until much later, but this would make him Milton Stilton, which I'm really happy with, but I think that's a coincidence. So there you go. So Milton Stilton, this horrible kid, pushes, uh, he pushes one child so that he falls into a bush and his kite gets all tangled up. And then another kid playing with his kite, um, Milton produces some scissors and snips the line of a little girl sending her kite up and away, much to her dismay and his mirth. And now he zeroes in on where Liz, who let's remember is a grown woman, but if she was happy to like take money from all of those hustlers, she doesn't mind winning in like a kite flying contest with loads of kids. So she's having a great time. And uh, Milton is like, you know, he, he's up to no good and he's moving in. Uh, Jake, meanwhile, is sitting to one side enjoying himself, but he's clocked it all and he starts fucking with, the, with Milton's kite with his little collar and he sends the kite high and he sends it low and he sends it all around and it's dragging Milton behind it 
through bushes and colliding with other picnickers. And he's like, you know, getting goes behind a bush and you hear chickens and he comes out with feathers on him. All the classics. Eventually, Jake sends the kite spinning very fast, impossibly around the kid, totally tying him up. So Milton stands straight for a moment, his arms pinned to his sides and his legs tied together, and he slowly topples over, a gift-wrapped goon, and people laugh and point, and he moans. Maybe even his face lands in someone's picnic in like a plate of jelly or something. So Liz wins the best kite prize, um, and everyone applauds, and Frank applauds, and Link wanders over. So gentle, Jeffy, I love it. <laughs> and Frank comes over, um, uh, uh, Link comes over with a sausage roll or a hot dog or something and a beer. No idea what's going on. Now, we have a little scene here. We have like a, a couple of scenes back at the flat. Um, we learn during some early scenes that Frank, ultimately, he's very happy with his life with, with Liz, but less so with his job these days. Uh, he and Jake have worked for the government the last few years, solving problems, creating better fuel, or computers, navigation devices, radios, and generally using science and ingenuity to better all mankind. But Frank now feels like he's reached a glass ceiling. Liz, meanwhile, has certainly reached a glass ceiling. She's been promoted to head of department, but she feels smothered in a Disney sort of way. We have, like, we're told that, you know, she's being given all the easy assignments because she's a woman and she's more of a political pawn and a poster girl like look one of our chief scientists is a girl and she's thus not being given the responsibility she's earned and wants uh this all comes to light um and they all go back to the apartment where liz and J and um liz and jake and frank and lucy bell all live together and it's a nice place and link still lives in the building because it's all owned by the army who they all basically work for jake too is never really given much freedom. He's always feeling like, despite being a citizen, you know, he's treated as too domesticated, quote unquote. And sometimes more so, uh, he feels like a prisoner in all but a name. Um, he's kept. Um, Link, however, is just fine, but he does let slip that he misses the good old days where he and Frank were buddies without interruptions from work. And he pointedly looks to Jake and Liz and says to Frank, others and frank points out that they were never really buddies and that all he wanted frank for was his tv and beer now during this little speech um back in the apartment um link goes and opens frank and liz's fridge and takes out a beer turns on the tv plonks on their couch just like old times puts his feet up and when frank stops talking and saying that's all you ever wanted me for in the first place Link looks at Frank and says, hey, I resent that, and then cracks open the beer. Um, but still, he does miss having a buddy. During all of this, the rabbit who we've seen is, um, has hopped around. We now see he's getting closer and closer. He's outside, he's lurking, he's monitoring, he's listening. We learn that he can point his ears at anything and hear what is being said. His race are fantastic audio pioneers. But um, we later find out from Jake, you know, oh, yeah, great radios, so, so spaceships. So the rabbit stakes out the apartment building, and, but he soon uh, announces himself, first to Link, freaking him right out. Um, now, because 
this rabbit can shoot out listening rays um, from his ears, uh, Link christens him Ray. Um, by the way, he, uh, Ray the rabbit proves he can do this listening trick. Uh, he proves it to Link by picking up a, a highly private, naughty conversation from the other side of the compound base between Captain Thingy, Hampton, Team Wolf's dad, um, and his secretary. That's really the only time I think we see Captain Hampton, that's what I've called him here. Um, glad you brought him back. Yeah, but he's there and he's being promoted, um, but he's, he's having a naughty conversation with the secretary um, and, you know, mentioning his wife and like hiding his like wedding ring and stuff. And she's loving it, the secretary. And it's one of those one for the dads jokes from the you know, early 80s, late 70s. And then it cuts back and Link is like, oh, OK, you made your point. Um, and so then Link introduces Ray to the gang. Um, Ray the rabbit appears friendly and says he needs Drake and the scientist, um, specifically the scientist who helped with the gold and the ship three years ago, as his mothership has now run out of fuel in the in the quadrant neighboring where the Earth is, and they picked up some of Drake's transmissions because you know Drake is on Earth and he's still in contact with his own planet, of course. Um, so we learn that Drake's race and Ray's race have history and are not the best of friends. They're fine, but they're not the best of friends. Um, Jake has no personal problems with Ray, though, knows um, this alien race, but says he's not really sure how they can help. Ray says all he knows is that his superiors want Jake, and so Ray came down first, you know, to do a rescue and to check things out. Jake and Frank tell Ray that they'll help. Frank says he'll take it to General Stilton, the big cheese to see what can be done to help this rabbit. So Frank and Jake um, and Ray, maybe with Link, but probably not, they head over to Army HQ to speak with General Stilton. Stilton is still a jerk and his annoying grandson Milton is there too. And Milton tries to muscle into the action. He tries to pick up Ray and Ray looks at him and says, hands off bozo. And Milton says, Granddad, this rabbit just called me a bozo. And Stilton says, Someone tell that rabbit my son is, my grandson is no bozo. And so on. Um, and uh, you know, I'm sure someone does something with telekinesis and Milton gets that ice cream in his hand or something. Um, Frank and Jake plead Ray's case for his people, but Stilton doesn't want to help. Meanwhile, we cut to, first of all, the army have come and commandeered. Stilton's picked up a phone and they've got um, Ray's spaceship and they've got it under wraps. So they've taken that. But that's not all. Could we cut back to space? Should we see the Earth? And we see 10 more rabbit ships come down into the atmosphere and land all over the Earth. They go to army bases and so forth all around the world. They steal various bits of tech. We learn at some point and this is a bit of a spoiler we're going to jump ahead, but I'm going to say now, we learn at some point that they, these rabbits who are coming down the stealing ship from the Earth now, they're under orders from the, the mothership, second in command, who is ultimately revealed to be the main villain of the piece. And he's a massive grey rabbit called Commander Donner. But we'll get to that. But meanwhile, his agent's coming down the stealing ship. While Frank and Jake are visiting Stilton, or maybe now they're trying James Hampton in, in case we want an extra scene. Um, 
a little platoon of rabbits sneak into Frank and Liz's apartment and they kidnap Liz and Lucy Bell, mistaking them for Frank and Jake, because we find out rabbits are not great with distinguishing human gender. And also they're not working with Ray, so, so they don't only know that there's a scientist and a cat involved, they have the address, so they nab the wrong human and feline. By the way, I, I didn't want to have Liz kidnapped because it's so easy. And also, again, since she was kidnapped in the first film, but I want Link to stay with Frank for the next part. I want them to have a bit of time together. So my hands are tied. Um, so Liz gets kidnapped with Lucy Bell. This is the 80s, gets... Sheppy. It is the 80s. It is the 80s. And, you know, she's not... We'll see what happens there. Um, so Jake and Frank, with Link and Ray, have to rescue her. Uh, Stilton remains hard, I've written. <laughs> I didn't put an exclamation mark, even in brackets, but I'm going to assume I wrote them on purpose. Stilton remains hard, <laughs> so they break into the army hangar holding Ray's ship and they steal it in a nice, exciting sort of sequence, embarrassing Stilton and, and Milton, um, and they head after the rabbits. So whilst they're setting up that, breaking into the army base and all of that business. Uh, Liz, we are seen, she's put in a little ship with these rabbits after being kidnapped by them. And we do this in lots of funny ways because Liz, of course, is like, oh, hi, and oh, get off me. Uh. I really like Liz. I didn't really talk about her during the whole thing, but all of that, I, I like her. Uh, actually, I like her delivery. And she's like, Frank, Frank, oh, God, in the helicopter. So anyway, she's, she's <laughs> being pushed around by these rabbits who are just, you know, obviously it's ridiculous because they only come up to her ankle, but there's like four or five of them around her and they're like sort of moving. And she's like, okay, okay, keep your spirits on. And she's like, being you know sheeped out of there um so she's taken to the mothership um which is you know nearby uh, and it's huge and fancy very cool looking actually white very modern uh, very nice spaceship huge um and liz is treated very well by her rabbit captors she meets the captain of the rabbit mothership um who says she didn't authorize liz to be taken like this she's very sorry uh, the captain is a nice female bunny um, she says she's sorry for the mix-up, and again, at some point, we learn her second in command is the wrong one here. Uh, and it seems that Commander Donna's team that stole Earth's tech has used it now. Um, they're bringing it back to the ship, and they're going to build it into a. Uh, they're going to construct a black hole machine that will uh, create a mini black hole in space, and therefore allow quick and easy transport between galaxies. Uh, even though the rabbits. Uh, realize they've got the wrong cat at this point, um, or they think that he's just playing dumb. Uh, the rabbits say they still need an Earth scientist. Liz is very, very bright, and they need her help with the equipment, which is from Earth, and Liz agrees to help because she's, she's nice, and the rabbits are nice, and they ask for an idea. It's a good idea, black hole jump between spaces. You know, cut down a lot of time. So back on Earth, then, Frank, Jake, Lincoln, Ray, uh, have their little adventure getting into Ray's ship, and they steal it from under Stilton's nose. Ray says, hop in, and they do. They get in the ship, they bust out of there, and they take off, and they break out of Earth's orbit, um, and they fly into space, and they follow the neutron trail, which uh, Jake refers to as the rabbit's droppings from the ship, following where the uh, plotting, of course, towards the mothership. They need to catch up, before the mothership jumps away, 
but the mothership has a head start. So Ray suggests that they take a shortcut through this like meteor shower that's between them and the mothership. So they take the little ship into this meteor shower and now they have to navigate through. And again, it's very cheap and cheerful effects here. And I love it. I wouldn't do it no other way. Uh, Frank has to wear a spacesuit, which is created by the ship's computer after a funny scanning and measuring scene. Um, he, he has a spacesuit and he has to go outside the ship to fix the rabbit antennae ear things on the roof. And there's a scene there which is similar to him getting uh, the collar in the first film and flying around the hangar. Same sort of special effects as well. But Frank goes topside. He's outside, little meteor, like little meteor flying around. Link is in charge and, uh, of spotting and warning Frank of approaching little meteors. But of course he fucks that up, being distracted by all the flashy equipment in Ray's ship and wondering, quote, if it can pick up the basketball, I got a hundred clams riding on the Lakers. <laughs> Frank is almost knocked from the ship's roof by the tennis and basketball-sized rocks. And it is only Jake's uh, telekinesis and Ray's quick reflexes and piloting skills which saves Frank's bacon. And Frank gets back inside and Link says, I always knew you had rocks, Frank. Another daddy joke. So they leave the meteor shower and catch up with the, mouth, uh, <laughs> with the rabbit mothership. Disney Just processing it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so yes, they leave the meteor shower and catch up with the uh, rabbit mothership. They dock because they're in a rabbit ship anyway. They sneak on board and they have an adventure looking for Liz and Lucy Bell. Like I said, it's a huge ship. So they split up. Frank and Jake go one way. Link and Ray go the other way. Link says to Ray, it's a warren around here. Uh, we cut back to Liz, who is making friends with the high command of rabbits and is soon being treated like a queen. She is a bit of a superstar and is shining accordingly. Uh, she is finally realizing her talents. She's a very, very gifted scientist. Uh, she helps with the necessary scientific equations they needed sorting and all seems well. Link and Ray have an adventure on, in the ship, as do Frank and Jake getting across the interior. But someone is trying to stop them. At one point, Link and Ray are almost blown out of an airlock. And Link has a funny moment in zero gravity, chasing his floating beer around. Uh, Frank and Jake find Liz and Lucy, and all seems all right. But we discover the rabbit who is trying to stop them is still up to no good. And this is the big reveal that it's Commander Donna. And he's the villain. He's the Vogue rabbit who has his own agenda and wants rabbit power to spread across the galaxy. He's going to take Liz's calculations and create a black hole, not for travel purposes, uh, like the rabbits want, but no, he's gonna destroy the homeworld of their main intergalactic rivals. And Frank says, well, who are they? And Jake says, the cats. Using the black hole machine, Commander Donna has brought the ship to the cat planet. Jake and Frank must get down there to warn everyone and to prepare countermeasures so they're not sucked into the black hole, which Donna is planning on conjuring right on top of the planet, destroying it utterly. Uh, so Frank and Jake get down to the planet and they meet the elders of cats who are very wise, very sage, they're very cool. Um, and there are lots of jokes there. 
Um, and they're also a bit stuffy. They're a bit like the council from Superman on Krypton. And they're also a bit like the bank uh, people, you know, in Mary Poppins. They're a bit like that, but generally they're, they're cool. They're, they're a bit complacent, but, you know, they, they dig Frank style and they like, you know, they respect Jake being like, you know, we've been sitting on our backsides washing our bums for too long. You're out there living the life, Jake. So they, they're all inspired. And they're, they're generally cool. They're, they were never like a, a hindrance. Uh, Frank explains what must be done to, to stop the machine from generating the black hole. In the main science-based control room of the cat homeworld, Frank and Jake use their know-how and they're going to deflect the beam from the rabbit ship, which Commander Donna has assumed command over now and he's locked up the captain and all the nice rabbits. So this is the tense climax with Frank and Jake about to stop the beam from the ship onto the planet when a platoon of hostile rabbits take control of the control room. Frank and Jake are locked in an adjacent cupboard, watching helplessly through the window as the rabbits take over the controls, ready to fire the beam. Frank is on the radio to Link, and he's saying, Link, we've lost control of the control room. And Link says, well, I guess that just makes it the room then, doesn't it? With seconds to spare before the beam hits, Jake uses his telekinesis to move the string from Link's very established yo-yo in a replay of his kite adventure at the beginning. So the string from the yo-yo wibbles around through the air and Jake's controlling it, looking through the window and it wraps around a vital switch on the control panel and Frank is like, come on, Jake. And Jake makes his dinglo and the string flicks it up and the switch flips up just in time to stop the beam. On board the rabbit ship, Link and Ray have the final confrontation with Donna and stop him using teamwork. They have bonded over the course of the film, and Link and Ray are now very firm friends. The Captain Bunny takes back control of the ship, and the evil commander Donna and his mutineers are locked up. Captain Bunny says, yes, locked up. I think we've got something just the right size for you. And Donna says, I had a hunch you'd say that. You mean a hutch, don't you? Um, the elders of the cat people thank Frank and Jake for saving the planet and award Frank an honorary citizenship in a nice scene mirroring the finale of the original. Um, the cats ask Frank and uh, Liz and Jake uh, to stay, um, fostering relations with cats and humans and also including this new piece with rabbits, having limitless access to two civilizations, best science and technology. Frank and Liz, will you stay with us? And Frank, Liz, Lucibel and Drake decide to stay on the cat planet to build a better universe, brokering a future relationship between humans and cats and rabbits. And Jake and Frank, say, uh, Jake to Frank says, just wait till you meet the aardvarks. They're a handful, and Frank gives him a double take. Uh, Jake is named ambassador to Earth. Frank is an honorary citizen. Liz is queen of the rabbits, we discover. Uh, Link and Ray are now besties and decide to return to Earth where, uh, because Link has learned more about the rabbits' unique sporting events on their homeworld, and Link wants to bring these and the two have, are like hatching plans and schemes to introduce rabbit sports to Earth uh, with all the uh, 
merchandising rights, of course. They're shipped, therefore, um, so they, they depart, they say goodbye to Frank and to Jake and to Liz and to Lucibel and Link and Ray get in the little rabbit ship. They fly back to Earth and uh, they're talking, they're bickering, they're having a nice time. They land, the ship comes down uh, and we have a reveal. Uh, they, they lower the gangplank and ring, uh, Link and Ray's ship uh, comes down and Link looks out through the doorway and says, uh, Ray, did you bring us back home? And Ray says, yeah, I think so. Why, are we not at the apartment? And Link says, no, not exactly. You've got the house, just not the right house. And they both look down the gangplank and Ray says, more like the white house. And the last shot is Link and Ray leaving their rabbit ship and walking out onto the white house lawn and a big pullback with a really obvious matte painting to see them outside the white house. <laughs> And the government agents, you know, coming all rushing around and swarming around them. And Link to the swarming agents says, hi, guys. And Ray says, here we go again. And a oh. big, the end comes up. And that's the end of the cap from Outer Space 2. And I got uh, two very bad taglines. Um, the first one is deep space, deeper fur. Um, and the other one is a legit, what I think it would be, like if Disney did release this in the early 80s, it would be, it's hair raising fun. Uh, so, nice. hair. Have a yeah. fur ball. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll have a, yeah, you'll have a fur ball. <laughs> <laughs> fur ball option. Do not see. Uh, so, 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 there you go. Lovely, lovely, Jimmy, lovely. I mean, that is the sequel. Definitive, wonderful, beautiful. I love what you did with Link. I think it's great that he's more involved. He had one of my favourite lines from the original where it's like uh, Jake is saying to, um, to the two men, uh, you know, you're coming or going. <laughs> and um, and got Frank, isn't it, is saying, yeah, I'm coming. And Link's like, I'm going. Looking <laughs> for you, actually brought him into the adventure, which is lovely. And yeah. so I'm very happy about that. And it's lovely. I like the mirroring with the citizenship and that. Oh, nice, Sheppy. It's lovely. Wonderful. I mean, that is, you know, for, for Cat, who are the Cat from Outer Space fans out there who have joined this podcast, turn off now. Just to say that. That is the definitive sequel. What is about to happen is a butchering of the original. <laughs> so let's just let's see how we go. How can you butcher that? Yeah, no, but that, that, that would be lovely. Halfway through, I was going to say to you, I, I had this sort of backhanded compliment in the back of my head, which was like, I think it's wonderful and lovely. And you've got so many lovely 80s gestures and gags and good plot and it's all perfect. And there's, and I was going to say, well, backhanded, like there's actually lots of opportunity for the for lots of scenes to drag on there as well, like, it's not, <laughs> yeah. which is a really horrible thing to say, but I don't mean it horrible. No, no. I mean it's like really kept the tone of the original, and it's nice, and it's got yeah. the right action blend. And it can't of... be, yeah, it can't be too quick. You've got to have <laughs> really, really. You know, the meteor scene could be exciting. But it's not. It's him horizontal wires and everything obviously lying on like a magician's black you know blackboard and then these really bad you know like some hand-drawn animation and others tennis balls on string flying around him yeah yeah and it goes on and on and it's just not exciting yeah yeah definitely <laughs> definitely
All right, Sheps. Well, look, I'll, I'll, I'll zip through this. Oh, um, please don't zip. Well, uh, you know. Purr through it. <laughs> oh, wow. So we've got another cat from Outer Space, 1982, directed by our man Robert Stevenson. I love it. Can I ask, did you go for him because you thought I want a big gun from Disney? I want, and did you find him through, for example, like Love Bug or? Yeah, Love, Love Bug. And I didn't, I didn't put two and two together. It was a shock that he did Poppins as well. So that's happy. Even though I kind of always knew, if you know what I mean, like, but yeah. by association. Oh, what a yeah. total layer wannabe. I know. Somehow I always know. <laughs> that include when you stuck your tongue down my mouth, you fucking whore. So yes, yes, good Jesus. stuff. <laughs> I know things keep going a bit dark. Um, cool. All right, Jeff. Well, listen, I'm going to apologise in advance. I'm just going to plough through it. There's some there's some work going on outside the motel, which uh, you know okay. is just getting a little bit fruity because it's it's tripped into after seven a.m. in Oz, and they start working then, but they clock off at two p.m. generally. But anyway, that's another story for another day. <laughs> and a different cat. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so that's a tagline right there. <laughs> so we've got Ken Berry back as Frank. We've got Sandy Duncan back as Liz. We've got uh, look. This is a this is a red herring. Sheppy. We've got Harry Morgan back as Stilton. Um, it doesn't really matter. You know, he's he's in it. But I haven't really explored the military bit too much. We've got Ronnie Shell back as our voice of Jake. We've got um, McLean Stevenson back as Norman Link. We've got Meryl Streep in as the voice of oh. Zuni. Deal with that. Straight. Nice. <laughs> um, John Belushi in as a character called the Wizard of Odds, who's also called wow. Wiz, for sure. And then Paul Reiser in as a character called Cat Forest. And I was just playing on Tiger Woods there. You'll see why in a minute. Oh, very nice. Um, so, oh, so uh, you're going for some real names, though. Oh, I mean, shaky. early in their careers, but Up still. until this morning, I had Clint Eastwood as Cat Forest, so deal with that. So I was going to have wow. it as a grizzled old golfer, but now I'm going to go as a young buck. So anyway, we'll never get Eastwood, for goodness sake. So 1982, <laughs> I think I said that at the top, but just in case. So credit screen, same font, all the rest, naturally. We open pure, well, I'm not going to say pure what yet open on an overhead shot of fields and trees and we're hurtling through the air and the wind is filling the audio like a whistle. We're spinning, we're spinning and eventually we start to descend towards the ground and as we descend we start to see that those green fields are very smooth. It looks a little bit like a golf course and then we land on a green with a thunk and so it's a little flight of the navigator, you know, we're oh. not really a flying saucer wannabe. And then, um, so we bounce with the thunk. With the thunk, the camera switches to a side shot of a golf ball as it trickles towards a hole, around the hole, kissing it, and then remains, you know, out, out of the hole, unputted. The golfer, Cat Forest, Razor, tarts, shakes his head. Somewhere like the little commentary is going, you know, oh, you can't have them all, Chris, or whatever, you know, and all that sort of stuff, you know. But he's a young golfer, you know, he's obviously on the way up. Um, and uh, <laughs> and then instead over the top of the, the golfers, uh, we hear you know Link say, "Son of a, you you promise you didn't use your powers there, Jakey." And, uh, and, uh, and Jake is like, 
pay up Linky. And basically, <laughs> we've got Jake and Link watching TV on Frank's sofa in his apartment. So I've totally feel, pulled that Kramer thread from like just being a, a constant uh, lech. Um, and, and so uh, Link passes across the last Twinkie to Jake that he's just lost in a bet around the, whether or not the golf was going to get his hole. Um, Jake is fully splayed and, you know, like just it's debauchery. It's like I texted you saying this is a cross between Ted and like, you know, a few other things. So there's a bit of an element of Ted here where he's kind of, he's a, an American citizen, but he's kind of, you know, not really done anything with it. Um, so uh, Link starts talking about a great shout to Jake that he's got a 30 to one shot in the paper. It's at a remote horse track, shouldn't draw too much attention. But Jake, uh, to your point earlier, Sheppy's reluctant to abuse his powers. You know, he knows it actually causes a lot of chaos. And, um, and he just says, we keep it to one a week, Linky. We keep it to one a week. Anyway, cut to Frank and uh, Liz cycling home on the, on a tandem bike. You know oh. how sort of, you know, it's all cutesy, isn't it, with those yeah. two? Um, they stop for groceries, uh, milk, cereal, whatever. And, um, and then as they're stopping, Liz is like, you know, you really have to get Jake to start paying rent, get a job, that kind of thing. He's got to contribute to society. This is the 80s. You know, anything's possible. And um, and anyway, like, so she's kind of giving Frank a bit of a scolding for being too soft on Jake. And as she does so, like, Frank, like, pulls out two Twinkies at the cashier as they're paying. And she, like, shakes her head. So he just takes one and puts it down um, and just sort of says, I love these things. And it was just a small side to get a gag in, in a minute. So they, they get home. We have the the classic scene of um, Ed, of uh, Frank asking Jake, you know, did you apply for the jobs I asked, I left for you, bud? You know, and Jake's like, yeah, sure, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. And um, and Link gets up to make his exit. Um, and as he gets up and they are unloading the shopping, he's like, hey, it's Winky Bar. Just takes it and leaves and goes to his uh, apartment. Um, there is then a three-way little mini Disney-esque argument between Frank and Liz and Jake where, um, you know, Frank basically kind of tries but bottles the rent conversation. Liz steps in um, and, and starts telling Jake off for freeloading. Jake tries to give her the kitty eyes, the big, big cat kitty eyes, and Liz has none of it. Um, and, um, and then Liz is getting so frustrated with the situation between Frank and Jake, she escalates it to the point of saying, and then what are we going to do when we're a family of four? So actually, I've just realized we probably have to have Liz and Jake or Liz and Frank are already married because this is Disney, right? And this is the uh, 80s. But anyway, doesn't matter. But anyway, the, all of the two boys are like four. And essentially, Liz has a bun in the oven. And this is the inciting incident for Jake to say, OK, I'm going to go and get a job if you guys are going to have a baby. So we then get a little montage of Jake doing different jobs. And I haven't really gone off on one. I wish I'd had a little bit more time to do lots of funny jobs that Jake could be doing here. Um, <laughs> I think it may be like, you know, perhaps trying to be a mechanic. And, you know, he's able to start lots of old motors and stuff just through his energy, mm. like he's restoring cars and stuff. But then he starts joyriding in the cars and gets into a bit of trouble. <laughs> or maybe he's annoying you. Yeah, totally. I like that. That's like amazing. some, like, wop, 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 like some little PC plot. It has to be like Taggart or something in a crossover or something amazing. Like, yeah. some, <laughs> some real, yeah, some real Wigan. And being like, do you know how fast you were going? And he walks, you know, like that swagger that 
cops have where they go over yeah. and they, they've got you for a ticket. And then Jake is just sitting in the has in the in the driving seat with the window down and he's looking and he's like, you know, if I was over 75, do I get a ste- set of steak knives? And it's like whop whop and the guy's like, oh <laughs> that whole scene. Oh well, you've just given me a, a little idea for a running gag, Sheppy, just with that. Like I feel like he could get pulled over by a cop and then the cop, you know, he tries his kitty eyes again and again it doesn't work and he gets a ticket. It's like, Jesus, when's this going to freaking work again? You know, and all this sort of stuff. Um, and uh, But then I also thought the way I was going to go is just the other mechanics just get annoyed because they've got nothing to do because he's just doing all the work for them. Anyway, bottom line is all of his jobs are unsuccessful that he goes for in comedic ways differently. He's walking away from the last job failure over an alleyway fence when he bumps into another cat I have actually even named this cat, but let's just call it like Bruce or something, you know, and it's a quick cameo from someone from the 80s, maybe Danny DeVito's voice in this cat. And that we establish their old friends. And um, and this cat, Danny DeVito, as Bruce, uh, asks, you know, is it is it okay? I, I feel awkward. I've started kind of seeing Lucy Bell now. And, uh, and Jake's like, Jesus, she's all yours. Are you kidding? Like, like, you know, so basically, we just totally do something you're going to hate, which is just right off the Lucy Bell right. storyline. It's to be Elizabeth Shue in Cardigan too. Can, <laughs> yeah. I, can I ask then, so are all cats, like, can Jake just talk to cats? Are cats able to communicate. I assume this telekinesis might work with other cats, but does it not? I don't even know if they try that. I don't think so. I mean, Jake having relations with Lucy Bell is a bit off, actually, because she is compared to him, you know, a bit of a re-re. So it's like she's, you know, it's like, hey, honey, you've got a terrific set of whiskers, but she's basically compared to him. He's an intelligent, hyper-intelligent being. Yeah, you're right. She's a cat. So, it's so a bit weird. It's yeah, you know, in that respect, it's actually weird. I don't want to derail your thing. Though. No, Sheppy. Look, world. let's save ourselves five hundred thousand dollars and not have the Devito cameo and just strike that from the books. We don't Was even that bloody the need only it. Cat? I'm Was just that serving. I don't want it, if yeah, it's that is it. No, no, no. It's not. It's not. So, um, it's uh, it, honestly, it's, it's an alien just for friend. the Lu- yeah, it's just for the Lucy Bell fans. So fuck that. Let's out. Um, so anyway. So he's well. He could he can mention to Frank like ever since Lucy Bell went off with like with Tom, and then it just cuts to Lucy Bell and Tom like sitting in a flower bed licking each other. And Jake's like, <laughs> but I think Jake's a bit more of a player and a bit cheekier. So, but in this one, so he's a little bit more like a Ted. I think he's not bothered, but I like that as well. So that's good. Let's have that. And then basically, as he's treading the, the fence after this last unsuccessful gig, he hears a commotion and someone's been tossed into the bins. And much like a couple of the um, coincidences you had, like, you know, your uh, Stilton, Milton Stilton with his kite, you know, being the grandson and all this. Anyway, the person being tossed into the bins is Link. He's been beaten up by some bookies, uh, promising he'll pay up soon. And they eventually, they leave him, you know. Um, and... Uh, and actually, sorry, Sheppy, this is one of those classics is where I made the edit and then I didn't go back. Sorry, Link's being beaten up. He's not even saying I'll pay soon. He's not even saying I'll pay soon. We're assuming it's Bookie's beating him up. These guys eventually leave him. Jake drops down from the fence to talk to his friend. 
and um and link is a bit shaky and actually is a bit rude in a sort of you know in those disney movies when a grown-up suddenly starts shouting and you're like why are they shouting it's a bit out of character and it's a bit unnerving when you're a kid and you're watching it but link is just actually out of character like just get out of here get out of here it's just some bad debt just some bookies that are trying to beat me up that's what link tells jake Anyway, so Jake sort of jumps away a bit, you know, shocked that Link has sort of been aggressive with him. And he look, he then goes around the back of the building, looks in through the window, and he sees these guys look pretty unsavory types. Belushi is there, our man uh -huh. with the Wizard of Oz. And we see him push a cat aggressively off the table um, to continue a game of um, day poker. Um, I can see Belushi totally doing that. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, there's a lot of silly Belushi moments that are coming. Um, so anyway, Jake's eyes narrow as he's watched this. And then we go in and the camera zooms and dissolves on his eyes seamlessly into the beams of a replica flying saucer. Um, oh. This is a re replica to the original spaceship from the first film. And we see another cat, Abyssinian as well, identical to Jake almost, um, at the helm of this ship. And the voice as she's checking in with the navigation system or whatever, the computer from home, it's unmistakably Streep. Um, and she makes a steamless landing in a field somewhere in the middle of uh, America. NASA picked this up. Cue the return of our general. I haven't fleshed that out, but imagine some little NASA-y, science-y type commotion going on around the, that, you know, they picked up a landing or whatever. Um, it's really red herring stuff, Sheppy. They're, they're not really a part of the movie, but you know we have to nod to them, I think, a little bit. Um, so just assume they pop up every now and again. Um, so yeah. back, back to the flat. We've got Link. He's in the flat with Liz holding uh, some frozen peas to him and like sort of just nursing him a little bit. Link is too scared to go home. Frank is pacing. This is bad. Jake comes in on the scene. And basically, in this scene, it, it, we don't keep this twist going for long. It turns out that this whiz, this Belushi type, knows what Jake can do, wants him for his own nefarious gain, um, for his own bookmaking. That's why Link, uh, Link was beaten up. They want him to give Jake up. And, and Frank is nervous because everybody knows about the Wizard of Odds. Like, he's a real, like, shark. He's the kingpin. He's the Tony Soprano. He won't stop. Um, we... And, I put here, we can't just push whiz upstream and hope it will go away. I mean, I have not been disciplined with my whiz gag, Sheppy. I just need to uh, no, toward that's you. That's good um, stuff. It wouldn't get through the gates on a Disney movie, but never mind. So um, Jake hatches a plan that um, Link should turn him in. But, they, uh, but in turning him in, they do a big hustle on him and get him to break the law somehow in plain sight and, and get him like done for once and for all. And everyone's like, you know, Jake, it's too dangerous. It's too dangerous. And Jake stands proud and tall. The music swells. And Jake's like, are you kidding? I'm not afraid of anything. Danger is my middle name. And then from behind him, we hear Streep's voice say, actually, it's J59. Zuna, you're in big trouble. <laughs> and Jake nice. kind of stores that at, the, um, at, the, at the, the voice. And he turns around shocked. And he's like, Zuni? Yeah, uh, basically, Zuni has come to take him home. Zuni is basically Jake's missus from, uh, from the bar. <laughs> he's, he's in a bit of trouble. And uh, there's a lot of work needs to be done uh, back home. You know, things are going, you know, I don't know, there's weeds creeping around the house. Like he's like, <laughs> very domestic. It's not about a big intergalactic thing. It's just he's in fucking trouble. He thought he could get away with a little jaunt in, uh, in, in, in Earth. 
Um, so anyway, it's established that uh, Jake is just jelly around Zuni. She absolutely wears the trousers. Um, all of that being said, between then now, the four of them, five of them, sorry, in this little setup, um, they conspire. The plan is they're going to get Link off the hook, try and um, hatch this plan, hustle uh, Wiz, get him uh, arrested or whatever, then uh, Jake will return home with Zuni. It's going to take a while, maybe even up to a year. Um, but, you know, hang around Earth Zuni for a bit and you might have some fun, is basically what Jake says. So um, that's our, uh, that's another cat from outer space. So nice. although maybe the commentators at the top end could say about Razor's Golf, you know, he's out of this world, this cat or something. That, that could be nice. another cat from outer space. Anyway, <laughs> so um, Jake goes with Link to Wiz. Yeah, and and essentially they do a they do a pretend you know Link hands himself in and Jake then plays up um, and and kind of to to the fact that he wants to be a bit of a crim as well and um, and says to Wiz you know what you're doing is very small potatoes Wiz what you need is expansion and so um, they they go to this you know derelict uh, former casino and um, it's an old abandoned place essentially with lots of sort of tables but covered in dust and stuff and then like Wiz is like you know I, I've got a good thing going I, why would I need the overheads on this place and, uh, and Jake just basically with a little twinkle of the nose all turns on the power of the place gets the place going and Wiz started, Belushi just nods like that and he can start <laughs> rolling on a, on a new casino um, anyway, so they get things set up. This is where I've gone off on one where like Disney would never do any of this. Right? So, so they get things set up. So Link and Wiz are basically, sorry, Link and Jake are in the Wiz team um, and they're setting up uh, the, the casino and things are happening as they set it up. Um, it's got Uber tech for its day. They've got recording devices everywhere so they can hope to catch Wiz and turn him into the law eventually. Um, but bottom line is, Link and Jake are in the gang, undercover with the mob. Um, and wow. I see little moments where um, Link is getting himself too into it. <laughs> a new fur coat, some roasted glasses, <laughs> sunglasses, you know. Even a moment where he's with Wiz and like, something amazing happens. He's like, hey, it's all very Kramer. It's just another excuse. I love to it. With he's yeah. like, hey. <laughs> and he's like, hey, let's celebrate. And that pulls out a moe from the bar and like Belushi just gives him the evils immediately. And then he looks, oh, let's, let's celebrate with a beer. Let's have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but when they do celebrate, I see like a, a silly place transmitter mail feels like Del Griffith style giggle fest between Jake and Link and Wiz. Um, and basically, um, and they're, they're all getting drunk together somehow, you know, Jake, God knows how, you know, I guess a little bowl of something. And, uh, and, then, uh, <laughs> and then basically Link and uh, Jake are laughing. And um, Wiz Belushi, like, steps, stands up, you know, pure Belushi, Griffith style, to go to the bathroom. He's like, he's literally, you know, what I got to take for that. Anyway, they're all, like, laughing away and having a happy time. Um, and then um, Link and Jake keep linking in to see if they've witnessed any um, bungs or dodgy takes. They haven't, so the stingers keep going, keep going. Um, we, we check in with Zuni uh, at some point over this little middle montage bit. Um, she's absolutely disgusted by humanity, their obesity, their excess, all that. 
and Jacob advises her, stop prowling the wrong hood, stop looking in the wrong places, start looking at other areas, look at where people are looking out for each other. And he takes her on a little tour of the city around the nice neighborhoods, the little kindnesses outside a church and a kid's playground, whatever the second chance is. Mm. Um, and anyway, then um, we have, uh, oh yeah, so we've, we've got basically Liz is coming along and the months have passed, the baby is due um, imminently, and then we have a scene between Wiz and Jake that really cements the trust. Um, perhaps, uh, <laughs> oh God, oh God, I wrote this last night on my flight, Sheppy, and I was a bit delirious. But um, I've got perhaps Wiz is asking Jake the tactic, tactics on how to lick his own balls. I mean, Jesus. Maybe an opportunity for uh, Belushi as Wiz to try out the collar and have some hijinks. Belushi style would be quite fun. Um, yes. Anyway, the scene that they have is interrupted um, by a guy in a flat cap that is slightly in shadow, but we see that it's Cap Forest at the door. Uh, Jake sees that it's Cap Forest, Paul Razor at the door, and Belushi confides to Jake that he has a big project coming where Forrest, the overwhelming favourite for the golf masters coming up, is going to throw the major on the 13th hole. Jake is super excited about this info takes us back to the gang. They have uh, Wiz Belushi on tape saying this, so they know as soon as Forrest throws the tournament, it's going to be curtains for Wiz and his syndicate. So the finale is set at the golf tournament, the 13th hole, all eyes are on the hole, uber tension. Forrest lands the green with his first shot. They're fully expected him to then sabotage, but he sinks the ball with the second. There's gasps from the gang. Forrest was actually, it turns out, too much of a pro. And after the ball's been sunk, we hear Belushi laugh, like, you know, in a kind of a bit of a manic way. Mm. And you think, what the hell's going on here? Is there some crazy plan afoot? No, it's the opposite. Zuni has <laughs> let him know about the plan. Um, he, she has been, she's actually kind of gone behind the backs of the gang to let uh, Belushi know about the plan and give him the oh. chance to turn himself in and be a better person. Turns out she did spend more time in some of those hoods that she was told to. And Belushi then had turned himself in a week ago for the error of his ways. <laughs> All the money he's made is going to be set up for a cat rehousing charity. And the cops are going to, he's going to do some time, you know, but the cops just wanted to make sure that uh, Jake wasn't part of anything big. So it's all been one counter sting operation on Jake. To make wow. Him a good boy too. Um, and um, and then at that moment in the Gulf, when everybody's happy families, the waters break for Liz and they all rush to the hospital, including Wiz, I put, which I love. <laughs> and I like the idea of Belushi with the gang now, basically the fifth member of those ever going to be a trilogy. Yeah. And, uh, and, the, and the, maybe even a couple of the policemen, they're all in the waiting room waiting for Liz's news. Um, and Frank comes out into the waiting room and says, um, you know, it's a boy, and everyone's like really happy. <laughs> Belushi is a ridiculous reformed character. Um, <laughs> they decide they're going to name the boy Jake, um, and that's all really happy. And then um, I wondered at that moment, just where you said before, with the fact that he's tried the kitty eyes on Liz, it hasn't worked. He's tried the kitty eyes on a cop, and it hasn't worked. And then Jake turns to Zuni and gives her the kitty eyes and says, Shall we go home? And, uh, and Zuni's like, oh, I can never resist that. <laughs> so, uh, Zuni's got the power. Nice. So, like, you gave me that in this pitch. Epic. So, oh, that's um, 
And then so Jake and Zuni return to their planet um, as, as part of the goodbye and, and the, the, the kind of E.T. style getting back on the source. So Link gives uh, Jake a Twinkie for the road and there's not a dry eye in the house, I've put. And that's it. Oh, that's there's nice. Another cat from outer space. <laughs> I love it. I'd watch that. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it walks the line. It, it jumps over the line a bit here and there. But I'm all for it. Why not? Maybe in the 80s, I mean, everyone at Disney was on Coke. It was like, yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, I like it. I like the leaning in to the uh, to the gambling uh, element. And I love having Belushi as like even more dirty Harry or whatever, uh, trustworthy, really unscrupulous, nasty, lone sharky type person. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Good stuff. Um, <laughs> How we done what two hours on Cat from Outer Space? And it's impressive. It's impressive. We need help, man. Yeah, I mean, two hours on Cat from Outer Space. Amazing. Good stuff. Good, clean fun. Uh, I'm loving it uh, very much. I thought that was wonderful, Jimmy. Um, and indeed, just when you thought the bucket couldn't be scraped any deeper, uh, along comes Sheppy and all your dreams are answered. So it's all very fun for everyone. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that, Jimmy. That was absolutely wonderful. So I would like Sheppy as the opener for the fourth tranche for us to do a sequel to Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, please. Wow. Wow, huge. I always felt like that was such a tantalizing end, you know, with yeah. the trio. Now, appreciating we've done a little bit of scammery and stingery in this, you know, with uh, with Cat from Outer Space, but uh, or I have certainly with my pitch, but I feel that, you know, that, that's, that's huge. That's a whole that's, other that's level, epic. and it takes a little bit of thought to sort of maybe come up with a couple of ruses and stuff, and like, yeah. You know, so, give it some time, ships. But I really think we should do that in our lifetime like do you know that's I mean? wonderful jimmy uh dirty world scoundrels too uh love it love it love it uh something to really get the old teeth into uh so yes yes wonderful jimmy great well then uh if there's no further uh business we should probably sign off in some very clever way any uh any ideas coming to mind jimmy i just can't think of any ships I, you're always better at me than this. Better than me at this? But yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Gonna say something about, I don't know. I've heard about someone dying, heard of someone dying many times on like a podcast, but nine times might be your limit, Jimmy. And you're out. That's pretty, pretty weak. Pretty goddamn weak. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it's weak it's perfect <laughs> it's so <sunk. laughs> we'd love to hear from you please reach out to us at shoulderspod.com or shoulderspod at twitter instagram and facebook 